Welcome to C-Suite Radio. It's time for another edition of the Brett Allen Show. It's go time, you and me! Join us weekly for the latest pop culture interviews from your favorite TV shows, movies, comedians, and so much more. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, it felt good. Plus, you never know who will drop by. What happened here was a miracle. Now, here is your host. I said throw down, boy. Welcome to the night's main event. Brett Allen. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. I'm very excited, comedian Carlos Mencia. I have been a fan for such a long time. And I, I when the opportunity came to speak to you, I, I I just I have. You have been on the forefront of comedy. You ruled the airwaves of Comedy Central and had so many specials and just had a really cool career. Thanks for your time. I appreciate you hanging out with me today. No, I I, I... I love it, man. And uh, yeah, I have. Sometimes it's uh, when you have a long career, it's there's always dips and ups and turns and twists. And, you know, you get stuck in your mind sometimes with this moment. So every once in a while, it's really cool to hear somebody like you say something like that, because it kind of takes me out of the of the moment of the mental grind that I'm constantly in as a comedian and to kind of step back and go, yeah, you know what? It has it has been an interestingly fun ride. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into I have questions about the Comedy Central era because I find that so fascinating. It's come up in a lot of conversations lately with a lot of comics. But before we get into all that, in that same vein that you just mentioned, you posted on Instagram you know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe longer, you were performing at an outside venue, a fair. I can't remember where you were performing yeah, yeah, at. It was in Fresno. Yes. And you said something interesting, um, which as a parent, I found funny. Uh, you know, I have a nine year old who hears and repeats everything. Uh, usually it's mom said this and dad said this. We co-parent, but I digress. But you right. mentioned something about the energy level being like super high. You were in your mind because the people said you can say what you want to say and you found yourself kind of in your head, it seemed like editing, like, what can I say? What can I say not? Or what can I not say? I want to ask you, I've never heard that come from a comic before, as far as the people running the events, telling you kind of what you can and can't say. Does that happen a lot as a comedian? Or was that just like a special one-time thing? Because I have not heard that before. It wasn't that they said what you can and cannot say what it was is it was a fair where the amphitheater was within the context and the confines of the fair geographically speaking so everything that i said could be heard by (laughs) all the children that were not inside the venue okay so what happened was they said no, you can do whatever you want. And I went, mm, are you <laughs> sure? Like, is if like 10 families are out there, you know, knocking on the front entrance here going, hey, that guy is saying stuff that my kid is repeating, you know, that. I, so the thing that most people don't know about comedians is we very much, at least, you know what, I'll speak for myself. I very much want every single person to laugh and have a good time. 
Sure. And I always assess the situation. I'm much better at what can I do with one I can't do. You know, don't say this, don't do this. That's it's so hard for me. Those are roadblocks. Those are, you know, hindrances. Just tell me, like, instead of saying, don't use these words, use that word, say to me, make it PG-13. Okay, cool, perfect. I know what that is. No F words, a couple of S's, we're good. Okay, I get it. You know, that way it leads me to a place of creativity. Yeah. So what I did in this specific show was anytime I wanted to do a joke about I was drunk when I did this or I was high when I did this or I smoked weed when I did this or anything like that, I would go, hey, listen, guys, don't ever, ever do cannabis. That's wrong. And then I'd look into the audience and they were like, oh, oh he's going to do a joke about what he was smoking, but he doesn't want the people out there to know. And so everybody inside the venue was in on the joke. So anytime I was like, I would never get high and watch Rick and Morty. That is so wrong. Everybody's like, okay, he's high and he's watching Rick and Morty. And uh, that that way to me, it allows for me to be creative, for me to push it, for me to, and for me to also get across what I want to get across. I, I've been doing stand-up comedy too long to just be funny. I've been doing this way too long to just get laughs, to just get standing ovations, to just get that. You know, there's got to be more to it. And so for me right now, it's it's a, it's a lot about it's a lot about this um, this constant bombardment of people saying it's not my fault. Basically, I read that on the Internet and you know what? There is no excuse today none for ignorance none i'm sorry and there's also no excuse for you getting your information from a place that is disreputable and then going oh i didn't know or pretending that you think it is if there isn't we all know certain companies it's not that they they can't lie or else they'll be sued you know this you know that when fox CNN, Axios, whenever those big companies, you know that when they say something that's wrong, you can sue them, right? Just like the people from Sandy Hook sued, you can do that. But, you know, when it's some dude, some chick, some guy, whatever, like whatever that is. So for me, in a general sense, I go up on stage and fight that. And I don't want to hear excuses. I don't want you to tell me, you know, look, the fact that the flat earther movement has grown about 900% in the past three years is just, come on, seriously? Like, yeah. and I'm supposed to seriously sit with you and have an intelligent conversation about this because you want to feel important because this is your stand to say, I am intelligent. And let me tell you how we know I'm intelligent. I discovered that the earth is not round. Bullshit. It is a pizza. Come on, come on. Stop. Stop. And I'm not going to kiss your ass because I'm a comedian and I want you to like me. I do. I want everybody to speak of me as as a funny, great guy that you got to go see and perform. That's never going to happen, but that's what I want. But I'm sorry. I'm just beyond it. And, and, and I'm beyond the hypocrisy as well of... And I talk about this on stage in the beginning of all my shows, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I don't 
like this hypocrisy of go to an LGBTQ show and you can do all the LGBTQ jokes you want and laugh and use all the words you cannot laugh. Go to an urban show and you can say the N-word as many times as you want. Go to a Latino show and you can make fun of the difference between Puerto Ricans and Mexicans and Dominicans and Cubans and Hondurans. Go, go to a Middle Eastern show and yeah, sure, they can call each other terrorists and Muhammad, Muhammad, oh, but we can't. You know, go to an Asian show. They literally squint, their, Asian comedians squint their eyes when they do impressions of other comedians. Nobody else can get away with that. No. And yet it's okay for that. So my whole thing, another thing is like, so what, so, so let me get this straight. I can only do every joke that I want to do when I'm surrounded by people who supposedly have my last name. I thought that the commonality of jokes is your everyday life. It's the fact that you see it. It's the fact that you, that you live it. There's two schools of comedy when it comes to telling stories. One of them is saying things like, you know how when you're driving and you see a green light, and but then it turns yellow, but then the guy in front of you, right? So you're making it like everybody knows this, right? That is our way of kind of cheating as comedians to let people kind of go, hey, we all do this, right? I'm of the school of, I was in a car, I saw the yellow light, I knew I could make the yellow light, until the asshole in front of me didn't think he could make a goddamn yellow light. Because I want you to be able to laugh with me and at me. You might not be that guy. You might not be that woman. You might be the person that's in front of the car. And I don't want you to feel like, because I'm saying, you know how when we, you know how when we. But that's the same thing that I applied to this. So now I have to, my wife is of European descent from Portugal. So I can make fun of those people. Now I got to get a side girl who is half black and maybe half Middle Eastern so I could do jokes about that. <laughs> then another girl who's half black and half Jewish so I could do those jokes. And then I got to blow a guy so that when I do gay jokes and people are like, oh my God, he's doing gay jokes. I could post a picture of me blowing a dude so everybody could go, oh no, 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 it's okay. He sucks dick, he can do those jokes. It's okay, it's fine. Um, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. I don't, I don't, I, I, I will not be a part of that hypocrisy. I will not be a part of the separation of humanity under the guise of safe space. The safe space that I create is that you're going to laugh and I'm not going to make you or let you feel guilty about it because it's a goddamn joke. And if you don't understand that, then I told you to get out about, 20, 30, 40 minutes ago, whatever it is in my head. And that's kind of where I'm coming from right now. And it, and it's 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 liberating even more so than it was when I was doing Minor Mencia because back then I didn't have this um, body of work, this amount of time of dealing with uh, success and, and failure and growth and potential and possibility. Now I've gone through that gauntlet, you know what I mean? I, I, I've gone through being canceled by cities for jokes that I tell or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm in such a better space now that whatever my next project is outside of my specials, it, it's going to be so much um, more in tune with who I am and, and what I do. And it's going to be delivered on a much better scale, even though I'm really proud of my name and seeing that if you go look back at some of the sketches that we did and some of the things that we tackled, 
we're very ahead of our time. Very progressive. We're very ahead of our time with uh, a, a lot of the sketches that I look back and go, man, that that sketch. I remember being disappointed in that they didn't really get it as much as they did. But I think that we were just so far ahead that people didn't know that America was going to get to this place. Like, I remember we did this sketch on what conservatives think of liberals and what liberals think of conservatives. And I thought it was just a brilliant bit. Didn't get the reaction that I thought. But looking back at it today, it's like I wrote it for today, not for 2005, which I think is was when we did that sketch. Crazy. I still own the DVDs. I, every time they came out, we bought the DVD copy uh, because we didn't have Comedy Central at the time. And we just those were classic shows. So you were a part of this era in Vortex of Comedy Central where there were specials. There was the premium blend. There was all these different things that they were doing. You had your show on there. When you started your career as a comic, was that the goal to, I, for some, it was to get a TV show back in the day in the comedy boom. But you started out, you were performing, selling out. You get Comedy Central. You do the show. Was that on your list of goals to do? Or was that just a byproduct of all the hard work that you had done as a comic up to that point? You know what? It was part and parcel of you know being a successful stand-up comedian. I mean, those roads were paved way before I got there. You know, the the Carlins of the world who kind of stayed away from it. But then at the end, ended up doing a few movies where, you know, it became a little iconic, especially the Rufus character and the, you know, Bill and Ted's. Um, I think that I just always knew that comedic success in standup would get me to movies, would get me to TV shows, would get me to that. And then I also knew that TV shows would expand that part that, makes people want to go see you perform and then it gets bigger and bigger it's 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 you know it's akin to taylor swift doing one of the most successful you know concert series of i mean of tours of all time and then on top of that saying you know what let's just make it as a movie as well we're gonna record this anyway so let's just edit it kind of and put it out there and up. Another hundred million? What? Um, <laughs> it, it's about it's about doing all that, but but I think it's harder for standups today because because what we do is seen as truth or something else, as opposed to what it's meant to be, which is funny. Like, you know. I remember recently when Minaj got in trouble for what he did, I was kind of, and I still am, I'm very ambivalent about my feelings about mm. comedians getting upset at him. And, and kind of, here's why. Is his job to go on stage and tell the truth? Or is his job as a comedian to be funny? Yeah. I mean, let's just let's just go back to, you know, Penny Youngman saying, take my wife, please. He was literally saying, I hate my wife, take her. Is that what he meant? Are we supposed to say, oh my God, he's getting a divorce because he made that joke? Um, was he saying my wife's a bitch? Like, wh- we can 
we can infer a lot of things from that stupid joke if we really want to. Yeah. But that's not what we're supposed to do. So with Minaj, I'm almost like, so you're mad because he told some jokes that weren't real? But then somebody said to me, yeah, but the whole point of some of those jokes was that you feel sorry for him and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm still... I'm still on the fence about it. I'm still not really, no, I kind of don't go that route. But, you know, like this weekend, because of Minaj, I literally did this big, long piece. And then I talked about him on stage. And then I said to the audience, you know, that story I just told you might not have happened. Did you guys laugh at it? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Then why does it matter? That's my job. That's my job. So that blurred line in between telling the truth, telling truths, I'm a comedian, knock, knock. Who's there? Nobody. There's not even a door. That line is becoming more and more and more blurred. And I think it's been a negative thing for comedy in that respect. Yeah, it's interesting because... I mean, I see shows all the time here in the Denver area. I, young comics, new comics, seasoned veterans like yourself. Like, it just depends on who's playing. Like, at the Comedy Ford up in Fort Collins, like, that's a favorite spot to go and just see. It's a small room. It's fun. I know. But, I've done it. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Well, I was telling some of the guys that I work with on shows here in Loveland, like, tonight there's a brewery show they're doing, and they've got some big names coming but they go, oh, yeah, we had Carlos at the fort, you know, at such and such time, sold out yeah. all the shows, yeah. added shows. Yeah. You know, it was a great time. But it seems like comics do come under fire a lot for this cancel culture. It's just very poisonous. Steve Harvey did an interview. They asked him, are you going to do another special? He said, I don't know. And he goes, and that's really scary for me to say as a comedian because the cancel culture is so high. And if I do it, it's probably going to have to be after my TV run is over because they're probably going to end me. Ten years ago, five years ago, nobody was saying that as a comic. You, your job was to get up there and to say what you're saying, to tell jokes and make people laugh. If you started out today, let's say you wanted to. I know it's a big hypothetical because you've had such a big career and successful but would you want to start out today? I mean, it would just be so different than, I mean, I can't imagine. I would love to start off today because the difference between me today and me when I started off in the, you know, mid nineties, when I really started to find my voice is that I'm just better. Like I'm way edgier today than I've ever been. As far as the content is concerned, the things that I'm talking about, the subjects that I'm broaching, I mean, I'm doing transgender jokes that I don't, I, I don't know that I would have been able to do before the way I do them now. I'm, I'm so much better at doing this type of material that I really don't get a lot of backlash, believe it or not. I remember when there was a time that me walking a certain amount of people, you know, 10, 15 for 300 was, you know, kind of normal. Um, I don't do that anymore. That doesn't happen anymore. 
it doesn't happen because I'm just so much better at the pre-joke part, whether it's the setup, whether it's the setup to the setup, whether it's the moment, you know, whether it's pointing out the hypocrisy and then it, whatever that is, I'm so much better at it. But I would have loved, loved seeing this hypocrisy that I'm telling you about and having the young, cocky, uh, um, unaware uh, attitude of a young comedian and just going out there and ripping the shit out of it. Oh, thanks, buddy. Nice. Oh, man. He just, my, this for my birthday. He just got me. Oh, yeah. You did have a birthday recently. Happy birthday, man. Real Madrid jersey. Yeah. So, anyway, I would love to. I would love to. Because today I wouldn't say it the way I would have then. You know, today I would approach it the way I approach it now. Okay. I think if I was a young comedian, I'd be like, listen, I would, it would just be all vinegar. You know what I mean? It would be, a 20 young 20 mid 20 something year old going are you kidding me oh it's okay for them to do it but i can't do it in a country where supposedly we're equals so as a gay person or an lgbtq person you sit down during my show and make a weird face when i do an lgbtq joke but then you pretend that it's my fault let us not pretend it is your fault you don't think i'm your equal you don't consider me to be your friend because if you did you let me tell the joke that you do to those people when they tell those jokes at those gay LGBTQ shows. So why is it okay for them to do it, but not for me before you even, you know, I would love to just go off on rants like that, that are just fire and not caring because I think that it would have been fun. Um, I could never do that today just because I now have the foresight to go, listen, I don't want to piss them off. I, I don't want to get anybody angry. The whole point of this is to bring them in. The whole point of this is to make them feel safe in laughing at whatever they laugh at. And also to feel the connection of our humanity. Yeah. To say, so I'm not like you because you're LGBTQ. But when the reverse is happening, I am supposed to treat you like... You're my equal, but you don't consider me to be your equal and all this other crap. Like, you know, so I would have loved to it. It would have been, I mean, I would have got in trouble, but I would have loved that kind of trouble. I would have loved to have to defend my, my comedy because I think that part of what happened was when guys like Daniel Tosh and others, many others like him, started Jezelnik, I believe, did it as well, started apologizing for yeah. jokes. That was bad. It's I a saw bad it. scene, I would think, as a comic. It is because I will forever apologize for hurting your feelings. Look, man, I am sorry that I hurt people's feelings. I am sorry that you know, I triggered a trauma. I am sorry that whatever joke I told made you feel a certain way. I'm not sorry I told the joke. I am only sorry that you were hurt by it. If you come back to see me again, I will do that goddamn joke again. Why? <laughs> because the whole point of the joke, in its intent is to make you laugh. 
I, I talk about this on stage. I go, yeah. I don't understand people that get offended at jokes. Let us understand that a comedian, every comedian, we're so insecure. And we want to make every single person in that audience laugh. And for those of you that are like, that's not true. Listen, if you get a room with 20 comedians and you put one person in that audience, a plant, and tell that person, don't laugh at any joke. And 20 comedians go on stage. 20 comedians will walk off stage and go, did you see him? Did he bother you? Did he annoy you? Oh, my God. He didn't laugh at you either? We will see that guy. Yeah. We will. We might not even see not every single other person, but we will find that guy or that woman. And it is because, you know, we're that insecure that we want to make you laugh. How do you turn that into something negative? How do you turn that beautiful moment of I want to make you happier after you met me than before? And how do you turn that into you need to be canceled because of what you said? Like, even if you disagree with it, even if you don't like it, even if you don't know how I phrased it, whatever your problems were, at my core, I wanted to make you laugh. Yeah. Why are you turning that into a bad thing? You you must be I don't even know what kind of person it takes to do that. You know, what I say on stage is I go, listen, I've got thousands of blowjobs in my life. They weren't all great. I was never mad at the end of one. I never wanted to <laughs> cancel somebody at the end of one. I was never to a place where I'm like, I'm going to go online and make sure that nobody else ever gets a BJ from you. It's like, Jesus, like, be grateful. I tried to make you laugh. Could you just at least go, Mr. Mark, not my cup of tea, but thank you. That would be nice. Instead of whatever this new thing is of that we're evil and hurtful and cruel. I mean, we're comedians. We're evolved court jesters. We took off the makeup and we're allowed to talk. That has never changed. Yeah. You know, that's still that's still why guys like Larry the Cable Guy can exist amongst guys <laughs> like Dave Spell. Because comedy is that expansive and that crazy and that goofy. And when you begin to, and, you, and listen, when we take ourselves seriously as comedians, then we begin to suffer too. Because all of a sudden, the, the laugh isn't as important. You know, I hear young comedians sometimes go, hey, as long as you have their attention, you know, they don't have to laugh. Yeah, they do. You are a comedian. Your job is to make them laugh. You want to do one-man shows like John Leguizamo? You can. There's there's a venue for that. Yeah. There's a place for that. The stand-up stage at a comedy club is not that place. No. Be funny. Tell your jokes. Get to the point. Stop meandering. Cut out the fat. Kill it. Do your job. Um, no puttering. I come from middle school. Yeah. And, and I think that that's... Uh, I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. I just think that we just got so insecure that when somebody said, I don't like you, we went, oh, my God, I'm just so sorry. I'll never do it again. I just think that that gave them power that they shouldn't have had. And now they think they can cancel us. Now they think they can tell the world, don't go see this guy. Don't go see that woman. Don't go see this person. And... uh when you give when you give people like that power 
especially people that are too stupid to realize it's even a joke. It's not a good thing, man. It is not a good wow. thing. Wow. I think that's so cool, man. Like, yeah, when I, I always say this to my son or to other people that I know, like you, you can't allow somebody to have that much power and authority over you, even on a spiritual level, I dare say, because like if you've had zero interactions with this person and they are doing this or doing that and it is affecting you in a way that's destroying your self-esteem, not you necessarily, Carlos, but just in general, gotcha. it's like you, you're like giving that person way too much authority over your life for zero. I mean, we're not dating. We're not in a relationship. I'm not going to give you that kind of power over my life over something stupid and, you know, cancel culture, whatever the case might be. When I go to a comedy show, I'm going to laugh. If I sit in the front row I should expect to have some sort of conversation with that comic at some point, depending on their style, you know, they're going to say something and I need to be in this situation. I was talking to another comic. She was saying she had a boyfriend and she talks about him on stage, but she did have one conversation with him. Hey, you know, I wrote some jokes about you. This is your one time (laughs) to tell me yes or no. But even then, I think if you're, she said, if you're going to date me or date a comic, you just got to kind of be ready for anything at that point and not become easily offended because it's just, uh, you won't survive, I think, or in life period. And I mean, man, that's inspiring. <laughs> I have oh. to it's encouraging to me just doing this. Yeah. But that's, but look, that's, that's where we should be. It's like, you know, I've done jokes about my wife and, Sure, they all had, they all, all the stories I tell have a semblance of truth that allow me, you know, to tell it the way I tell it. Right. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we have to start, we, we have to start letting people understand, especially when it comes to comedy. Yeah. The minute you tell me, I can't make fun of Barack Obama is also the day you're telling me I can't make fun of Trump. And I know for a fact that this country is a certain amount of people are like, what do you mean you can't do jokes about him? The other half is like, come on, please don't do jokes about him. And so for me, it's like, look, they go hand in hand. You, you, the minute, the minute you say that's out of bounds because the victim of the joke, quote unquote, punching up, punching down, I, I don't even understand what that means. I don't get what that means because I, what, what, do, you, what do you mean punching up, punching down? I understand. What, what, what are you getting at? Like, oh, you're making fun of somebody. Listen, I make fun of everybody, even myself. Listen, my mother had 18 kids. If you are going to have the audacity to tell me that I went too far when three minutes ago you were laughing at a joke (laughs) I did about my mother's vagina looking like she could put it in a roast beef sandwich at Arby's and you thought that was hysterical, I'm okay with that. 
But don't you dare turn around and tell me this other joke is it, it, something that you can't laugh at. You just laughed at my mom's cooch, man. Like, seriously? That's okay? But I can't do this? No, I'm sorry. I, I keep going back to the hypocrisy of, of all these human beings. You know, every joke has a victim, if you will, or somebody that did something wrong, somebody that did something right. You know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, you have to understand that. And if you don't, that's on you. It's not on me. It's not on me to, to teach you. We, we're, we're, we're past this as a society. I mean, Jesus Christ, I think people forget. But I told this the other day to somebody. I'm sorry. Maybe you don't know. But we, comedians, have already been to jail. More than one of us for speaking our minds. Yeah. And every single one of those cases, we won. Freedom of speech prevailed. So you're wrong with this whole idea of there's certain things that I can and cannot say. No, I can say anything. And if you don't understand that what I'm saying is meant to be funny, then that's on you. That's not me. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's not some responsibility I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even take forth because it's still you. If you show up to my comedy show with a trauma and I tell a joke that, you know, triggers that trauma and you're not over it and you can't laugh at it. I, I'm sorry, man. You know, I hope that through the joke, I can give you a catharsis and that I'm good enough that by the end of it, I can help you actually get over that trauma. But if you're still stuck in that trauma, listen to my words. You are still stuck. Not me. Not the 500, 800, 1,000, 2, 3, 10, 20,000, 30,000, whatever amount of people it is, but you. And man, how arrogant, by the way. How arrogant of you to sit at a sold out comedy show where there's, let's pretend it's a comedy club that seats 380 people. And everybody's laughing but you. And you want everybody else to stop laughing at that joke because what you're feeling is more important than what every single person in that room is feeling. Mm -hmm. That's an arrogance that I can't get behind either. Sorry. You're not that important. Neither wow. am I. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, I, but, I but it takes know. time. You know what I mean? It does. It yeah. Time. Yeah, it does. That's what it is. I'm not, that's why I said to your question earlier, I would love to start comedy now because I'd be ignorant to all the stuff that I'd learned and I would step in it. But I would enjoy stepping in it. I would enjoy that fight. Like I would enjoy it on a different level than it would be today. Today, I don't get those fights because I know how to, you know, I know how to use my language and, and every skill I've ever I've ever gathered as a comedian to, you know, make those situations better. Um, you know, so I don't I don't get people that get angry anymore. Um, I'm I'm able to bring them into the fray and, and actually make them part of uh the, so i'm the guy that's like hey you over there are you afraid of this story no it's not scary come here sit next to me help me tell the story help me tell the story do you know the story oh let's tell the story together and all of a sudden you know those people are in so i'm 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 much better at that and that's why if you have the chance to see me perform right now especially live it's the best time to see me i've never been as funny or incisive or I mean, I'm hit like it's it's one of these times where a lot of times I'm ahead of all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I'm ahead of the 
curve in a lot of these things. This is one where I'm slightly ahead of it, but not so far ahead that people are like, oh, that's not important. So everybody sees the relevance of what I'm doing. Like, I start pretty much every show by saying this and getting a huge round of applause and sometimes a standing ovation. Yeah. And it's usually the first thing I say when I go on stage, I say, listen, if my opening act said anything, <laughs> you even it. remotely offensive. I'm being very serious right now. You need to get the fuck out of this club. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm I've just seen that you, on some of your clips. Yeah, you said it. I, I'm, I mean it. Oh, yeah, I put up a clip recently about the Chihuahua dog. That's right. Yeah. And, and I meant it. And that was, by the way, that clip just happened to come out of that show. But that's how I start the shows, by literally telling people that. And, and a big reason is because I don't want them to sit there and judge certain jokes. Because yeah. what you, what you end up seeing is this, ha 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 ha, ten minutes, ha ha twenty minutes, ha ha twenty eight minutes. Hey, fuck you, man! What, what do you mean? What is that supposed to mean, Carlos? It's like, oh, so when you were laughing at everybody else, it was okay. When the joke was on everybody else, it was okay. When the joke had nothing to do with you, it was okay. But now, all of a sudden, the joke's on you, and the rest of us are supposed to pause, even though. You didn't pause for anybody else, my friend. Right. Stop it. And then that person gets sucked into that and goes, oh, my God, I didn't even realize that. You're right. And especially if I'm doing a show where I go, oh, my God, you laughed when I did the joke about Mary. Remember, Mary, he laughed at you. And then all of a sudden you just see that energy just go away and dissipate. And then they acquiesce to the moment. And then mm -hmm. everybody becomes one. And then the show actually gets better. Because now they gave it a relevance that is conscious. So they took a layer of subconsciousness and brought it to the light. So now that consciousness is a part of the show and it becomes a better show. But again, you know, I think that we're giving too much credit to wanting to be loved. Yeah. You know, to making sure that my rating is a five, you know, to, to keep all that. And, you know, as, as young comedians, I tell them, speak your truth, whatever that is, find it. And then everything that you write will be something that you're excited about. And you're not going to go up on stage and try bits. You're going to go up on stage and talk about things that you like and learn how to make those things funny. There's a big difference between those two. And, you know, everybody has their um, formatting, so to yeah. speak, like we're all... Like every, every comedian is like, a, today would be an app, back day it would be software. And we all wire our brain a very mm. specific way to interpret the jokes a very specific way. That is why if you have friends that are comedians and you were to see something funny and have a certain perspective on how the joke would go, wow. you wouldn't give that joke to any comedian. You would right. think about, you know who would do this well? Eric. Eric would kill this joke because you know that it's in the wheelhouse of whatever he built in his brain, right? So you kind of just hijacked that for two seconds and that's where you went with that. So I, I think that, you know, I think comedians need to be a little more aware. Yeah. Sometimes we're stuck on, I'm just a comedian so much that we don't see the other side of it. Right. The, 
the truth side, the side of of uh, if you think about think about if you and I right now were speaking of philosophers, if we went back to you know Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, most people would know who that is. If we started getting more into this younger, you know, Kerouac, Nietzsche, a lot of people wouldn't know who we're talking about. Right. And I would venture to say that comedians like Chris Rock, when he said, I love black people, I hate niggas, um, just iconic moments like that are more known from a sociological human aspect than what's being drawn from the majority of actual philosophers today, Mm. the people that mirror society and show us who we are in the best and worst light are comedians. Yeah. We are those people today. We are those philosophers of yesteryear telling the world, look at what we are, look at how we've become, look at how we behave, look at what we do. And for anybody to go, man, that's self-aggrandizement, Carlos. What are you talking about? You guys are just comedians and you're not philosophers. Well, if that was the case and we were being judged just as comedians, then why is Minaj in trouble for, quote unquote, lying when he did his act? If it's just a joke, why do you care? Because the philosophy of what he's trying to teach the this happened to me this racism this right the the juxtaposition of truths rubbed people the wrong way when it turned out that the stories were not completely accurate or whatever it is and so you know we started talking about this and now you know you see how i i get how you know we're viewed in a certain way because though that is not our responsibility it seems to be that guys like Carlin and Pryor and Chappelle and myself and <clears throat> Chris Rock and others, of course, have taken that mantle and said, you know what? I want to talk about that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's what I said when we began. I'm I'm, I'm too funny at this point and I've been doing way, way, this way too long to just tell jokes. I have to do more. I, I have to. Yeah, I have to more than just a comedian and so you know that's the path wow i mean i don't even know what to say that that, this is mind-blowing um again as i said at the beginning i've just i've been a fan for a long time i I really have in spite of i mean life happens you know and i when i found out you were represented by your publicist and I emailed her. I said, I would love to get Carlos on the show and talk to him. Yeah. I mean, going back to the two thousands and fives with Mencia to your live concerts. One last question. You have had a special come out recently. You've been talking about that. And I want to talk to you about that. Where can people watch it and where is it available? (laughs) Can we get it through your website? Actually, you could go to Tubi or Roku. Um, Okay. I did two specials. And I wanted to make sure that the first one was free because I haven't put one out since 2010. And I've had so many supporters throughout that time to just always be there. You know, I have so many people come up to me now because I started getting aggressive again on social media. And they're like, where have you been? It's like, I've never not been. You've never not been. You've always never not been. I never I never stopped. I mean, I I didn't, you know, put as much content as as I am now. But, yeah, it was always there. It was always a part of me. I think that being the first 
person that the internet ever tried to cancel um, and not um, addressing it at the time and, you know, dealing with the humanity of, of being a, being a comedian and, in in dealing with, you know, nobody, nobody prepares you for success. No, no, nobody prepares you for, for people liking you as much as they're gonna or hating you as much as they're gonna nobody prepares you for the fact that you're gonna walk into a restaurant almost anywhere and not have to pay a thing because everybody wants to give you free food and and, and take pictures but man no nobody prepares you also for people that want to hate you so badly that they will believe the worst stories about you no matter what and you know just not even consider that you're a human being with feelings. Right. Um, but what happens is that once you go through that, if it doesn't literally kill you um, or kill your career, you end up being becoming so much better. And, you know, this past decade has been that decade for me of trying to find who and what I really am. And uh, interestingly enough, I was feeling very bad about myself uh, a few months ago, maybe a year ish or so. But anyway, because I I'm, I'm so much, I'm so much better place now and and I'm in a great place and I love where I'm at, but it's kind of taking me about a decade of introspection of comedy, of stand up, of pushing it, of therapy, of, you know, meditation and all that to get to where I'm at. And I was feeling down on myself because looking back, I'm like, man, a decade. Shit, that is a long time. And then I saw Carlin special. He had a decade long period where he had to find himself. Then I saw Robin Williams special. He had a decade. Then I saw Richard Pryor special. He had a decade. And I went, oh my God, this, it looks like this is our penance as comedians that try to kind of, you know, push the envelope and, and, and really be way more than comedians. We, we've all had a 10 year kind of a thing where we had to deal with ourselves, our humanity, our growth, the way we look at life, the way we see life, the way we live life, the yeah. way we live life after our shows, what we do, the people we do it with. And it kind of went, Oh shit. Well, if it took the geniuses, the greatest comedians of all time, 10 years, to do it and it took me 10 years then i'm not gonna be hard on myself i'm gonna be okay with it and from that point on there's been just a great peace and tranquility that come with uh doing stand-up except for that one day where i was trying to figure out how to do my act in front of children or in front of children that could hear me say things so <laughs> i'm not gonna say certain words or trigger words or say stuff like that you know so uh, but that was fun too because it was uh, it was it was childlike in the sense that when I first started doing stand up, I had moments like that all the time. I hadn't had a moment like that in so long. I forgot there was a point in time where I, well, I was not good at this. Where I was a young comedian that thought he was great, that went and told jokes that everybody else told, pretty much premises that everybody else had already said. You know, thinking. You know, because you're young and you're like, I was on an airplane. Oh, God, Jesus, man. Every comedian has done something like that or yeah. whatever that. Hey, man, 
why do why do why do black people this and Mexicans and white people that? Jesus Christ, bro, that's been done a million times. But you know, that's your first that's your first foray into the writing stuff. So yeah, it's it's been a it's been a great, amazing career. And what I love about what I do for a living is sadly, I get to watch some of the greatest athletes of all time sign and then you know lose their luster because there is a timestamp on how long they can be that good physically and then when i see that i get so happy for myself because i just get better um you know physically there's no there, there there's no diminishing the product of what i do on stage and so unlike athletes i don't have that you know that time for me will be probably when i'm 70 maybe maybe 75 maybe 80 when i'm walking weird maybe um so yeah it's it's been great and it's it's been a very very long arduous unbelievable beautiful difficult thing to do but being me having done stand-up since 1988 having connected with all the human beings that i have having changed the world at least a few people at a time. It's been one of the most rewarding lives today. And I can compare that to all of humanity. I'm truly blessed, man. With all the good and all the bad, it's all come to a really beautiful place right now. And I'm better than I've ever been. And I'm happier than I've ever been. And I'm in a better place than I've ever been. So, yeah, it's all great, man. I love it. Carlos Mencia, this has been an iconic moment for us. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. If you ever need anything else, let me know, brother. You too. Thank you, sir. It's time for another edition of The Brett Allen Show. It's go time. You and me. Join us weekly for the latest pop culture interviews from your favorite TV shows, movies, comedians, and so much more. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. It felt good. Plus, you never know who will drop by. What happened here was a miracle. Now, here is your host. I said throw down, boy. Welcome to the night's main event. Brett Allen. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. I'm very excited, comedian Carlos Mencia. I have been a fan for such a long time. And I, I when the opportunity came to speak to you, I, I I just I have. You have been on the forefront of comedy. You ruled the airwaves of Comedy Central and had so many specials and just had a really cool career. Thanks for your time. I appreciate you hanging out with me today. No, I I, I... I love it, man. And uh, yeah, I have. Sometimes it's uh, when you have a long career, it's, there's always dips and ups and turns and twists. And, you know, you get stuck in your mind sometimes with this moment. So every once in a while, it's really cool to hear somebody like you say something like that, because it kind of takes me out of the of the moment of the mental grind that I'm constantly in as a comedian and to kind of step back and go, yeah, you know what? It has it has been an interestingly fun ride. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into I have questions about the Comedy Central 
era because I find that so fascinating. It's come up in a lot of conversations lately with a lot of comics. But before we get into all that, in that same vein that you just mentioned, you posted on Instagram you know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe longer, you were performing at an outside venue, a fair. I can't remember where you were performing yeah, yeah, at. It was in Fresno. Yes. And you said something interesting, um, which as a parent, I found funny. Uh, you know, I have a nine-year-old who hears and repeats everything. Uh, usually it's mom said this and dad said this. We co-parent, but I digress. But you right. mentioned something about the energy level being like super high. You were in your mind because the people said you can say what you want to say and you found yourself kind of in your head it seemed like editing like what can i say what can i say not or what can i not say i want to ask you i've never heard that come from a comic before as far as the people running the events telling you kind of what you can and can't say does that happen a lot as a comedian or was that just like a special one-time thing because i have not heard that before it wasn't that they said what you can and cannot say. What it was is it was a fair where the amphitheater was within the context and the confines of the fair, geographically speaking. So everything that I said could be heard by okay. all the children nice. that were not inside the venue. Okay. So what happened was they said, no, you can do whatever you want. And I went, mm, are <laughs> you sure? Like, is if like 10 families are out there, you know, knocking on the front entrance here going, hey, that guy is saying stuff that my kid is repeating, you know, that. I, so the thing that most people don't know about comedians is we very much, at least, you know what, I'll speak for myself. I very much want every single person to laugh and have a good time. Sure. And I always assess the situation. I'm much better at what can I do with one I can't do. You know, don't say this, don't do this. That's it's so hard for me. Those are roadblocks. Those are, you know, hindrances. Just tell me, like, instead of saying, don't use these words, use that word, say to me, make it PG-13. Okay, cool, perfect. I know what that is. No F words, a couple of S's, we're good. Okay, I get it. You know, that way it leads me to a place of creativity. Yeah. So what I did in this specific show was anytime I wanted to do a joke about I was drunk when I did this or I was high when I did this or <laughs> I smoked weed when I did this or anything like that, I would go, hey, listen, guys, don't ever, ever do cannabis. That's wrong. And then I'd look into the audience and they were like, oh, oh he's going to do a joke about what he was smoking, but he doesn't want the people out there to know. And so everybody inside the venue was in on the joke. So anytime I was like, I would never get high and watch Rick and Morty. That is so wrong. Everybody's like, okay, he's high and he's watching Rick and Morty. And uh, that, that way to me, it allows for me to be creative, for me to push it, for me to, and for me to also get across what I want to get across. I, I've been doing stand-up comedy too long to just be funny. I've been doing this way too long to just get laughs, to just get standing ovations, to just get that. You know, there's got to be more to it. And so for me right now, it's it's a, it's a lot about it's a lot about this um, this constant bombardment of 
people saying it's not my fault, basically. I read that on the Internet. And you know what? There is no excuse today. None for ignorance. None. I'm sorry. And there's also no excuse for you getting your information from a place that is disreputable and then going, oh, I didn't know or pretending that you think it is. There isn't. We all know certain companies. It's not that they they can't lie or else they'll be sued. You know this. You know that when Fox, CNN, Axios, whenever those big companies, you know that when they say something that's wrong, you can sue them, right? Just like the people from Sandy Hook sued, you can do that. But, you know, when it's some dude, some chick, some guy, whatever, like whatever that is. So for me, in a general sense, I go up on stage and fight that. And I don't want to hear excuses. I don't want you to tell me, you know, look, the fact that the flat earther movement has grown about 900% in the past three years is just, come on, seriously? Like, and I'm supposed to seriously sit with you and have an intelligent conversation about this because you want to feel important because this is your stand to say, I'm intelligent. And let me tell you how we know I'm intelligent. I discovered that the earth is not round. Bullshit. It is a pizza. Come on, come on, stop, stop. And I'm not going to kiss your ass because I'm a comedian and I want you to like me. I do. I want everybody to speak of me as as a funny, great guy that you got to go see and perform. That's never going to happen, but that's what I want. But I'm sorry. I'm just beyond it. And, and, and I'm beyond the hypocrisy as well of, and I talk about this on stage in the beginning of all my shows, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I don't like this hypocrisy of go to an LGBTQ show and you can do all the LGBTQ jokes you want and laugh and use all the words you cannot laugh. Go to an urban show and you can say the N-word as many times as you want. Go to a Latino show and you can make fun of the difference between Puerto Ricans and Mexicans and Dominicans and Cubans and Hondurans. Go go to a Middle Eastern show and yeah, sure, they can call each other terrorists and Muhammad, Muhammad. Oh, but we can't, you know, go to an Asian show. They literally squint. Asian comedians squint their eyes when they do impressions of other comedians. Nobody else can get away with that. And yet it's okay for that. So my whole thing, another thing is like, so what, so, so let me get this straight. I can only do every joke that I want to do when I'm surrounded by people who supposedly have my last name. I thought that the commonality of jokes is your everyday life. It's the fact that you see it. It's the fact that you, that you live it. There's two schools of comedy when it comes to telling stories. One of them is saying things like, you know, how when you're driving and you see a green light, and but then it turns yellow, but then the guy in front of you. Right. So you're making it like everybody knows this. Right. That is our way of kind of cheating as comedians to let people kind of go, hey, we all do this. Right. I'm of the school of I was in a car. I saw the yellow light. I knew I could make the yellow light. Until the asshole in front of me didn't think he could make a goddamn yellow light. Because I want you to be able to laugh with me and at me. You might not be that guy. You might not be that woman. You might be the person that's in front of the car. 
And I don't want you to feel like, because I'm saying, you know how when we, you know how when we, but that's the same thing that I applied to this. So now I have to, my wife is of European descent from Portugal. So I can make fun of those people. Now I got to get a side girl who is half black and maybe half Middle Eastern. So I could do jokes about that. <laughs> then another girl who's half black and half Jewish. So I could do those jokes. And then I got to blow a guy. So that when I do gay jokes and people are like, oh, my God, he's doing gay jokes. I could post a picture of me blowing a dude so everybody could go, oh, no, 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 it's OK. He sucks dick. He can do those jokes. It's OK. It's fine. Um, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. I don't I don't I, I, I will not be a part of that hypocrisy. I will not be a part of the separation of humanity under the guise of safe space. The safe space that I create is that you're going to laugh. And I'm not going to make you or let you feel guilty about it because it's a goddamn joke. And if you don't understand that, then I told you to get out about 20, 30, 40 minutes ago, whatever is in my head. And that's kind of where I'm coming from right now. And it, and it's 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 liberating even more so than it was when I was doing Minor Mencia because back then I didn't have this body of work, this amount of time of dealing with uh, success and, and failure and growth and potential and possibility. Now I've gone through that gauntlet, you know what I mean? I, I, I've gone through being canceled by cities for jokes that I tell or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm in such a better space now that whatever my next project is outside of my specials, it, it's going to be, so much um, more in tune with who I am and, and what I do. And it's going to be delivered on a much better scale, even though I'm really proud of Mindem and seeing that if you go look back at some of the sketches that we did and some of the things that we tackled, we're very ahead of our time. Very progressive. We're very ahead of our time with uh, a, a lot of the sketches that I look back and go, man, that, that sketch, I remember being disappointed in that they didn't really get it as much as they did. But I think that we were just so far ahead that people didn't know that America was going to get to this place. Like, I remember we did this sketch on what conservatives think of liberals and what liberals think of conservatives. And I thought it was just a brilliant bit. Didn't get the reaction that I thought. But looking back at it today, it's like I wrote it for today, not for 2005, which I think is was when we did that sketch. Crazy. I still own the DVDs. I, every time they came out, we bought the DVD copy uh, because we didn't have Comedy Central at the time. And we just those were classic shows. So you were a part of this era in Vortex of Comedy Central where there were specials. There was the premium blend. There was all these different things that they were doing. You had your show on there. When you started your career as a comic, was that the goal to, I, for some, it was to get a TV show back in the day in the comedy boom, but you started out, you were performing, selling out, you get Comedy Central, you do the show. Was that on your list of goals to do, or was that just a byproduct of all the hard work that you had done as a comic up to that point? You know what? It was part and parcel of, you know, being a successful stand-up comedian. I mean, those roads were paved way before I got there. You know, the the Carlins of the world who kind of stayed away from it. But then at the end ended up doing a few movies where, you know, it became a little iconic, especially the Rufus character and the, you know, Bill and Ted's. Um, I think that I just always knew that 
comedic success in stand-up would get me to movies, would get me to TV shows, would get me to that. And then I also know that TV shows would expand that part that makes people want to go see you perform and then it gets right. bigger and bigger. It's, 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 you know, it's akin to Taylor Swift doing one of the most successful, you know, concert series of, I mean, of tours of all time. And then on top of that saying, you know what? Let's just make it as a movie as well. Let's just, we're going to record this anyway. So let's just edit it kind of and put it out there. And up oh, another hundred million. What? <laughs> um, it, it's about it's about doing all that. But but I think it's harder for standups today because because what we do seen as truth or something else, as opposed to what it's meant to be, which is funny. Like I remember recently when Minaj got in trouble for what he did. I was kind of, and I still am, I'm very ambivalent about my feelings about mm. comedians getting upset at him. And, and kind of, here's why. Is his job to go on stage and tell the truth? Or is his job as a comedian to be funny? Yeah. I mean, let's just, let's just go back to, you know, Henny Youngman saying, take my wife, please. He was literally saying, I hate my wife, take her. Is that what he meant? Are we supposed to say, oh, my God, he's getting a divorce because he made that joke? Um, was he saying my wife's a bitch? Like, we can we can infer a lot of things from that stupid joke if we really want to. Yeah. But that's not what we're supposed to do. So with Minaj, I'm almost like, so you're mad because he told some jokes that weren't real? But then somebody said to me, yeah... But the whole point of some of those jokes was that you feel sorry for him and blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm still I'm still on the fence about it. I'm still not really no, I kind of don't go that route. But you know, like this weekend, because of Minaj, I literally did this big long piece. And then I talked about him on stage. And then I said to the audience, you know, that story I just told you might not have happened. Did you guys laugh at it? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Then why does it matter? That's my job. That's my job. So that blurred line in between telling the truth, telling truths, I'm a comedian, knock, knock. Who's there? Nobody. There's not even a door. That line is becoming more and more and more blurred. And I think it's, been a negative thing for comedy in that respect yeah it's interesting because i mean i see shows all the time here in the denver area i young comics new comics seasoned veterans like yourself like it just depends on who's playing like at the comedy fort up in fort collins like that's a favorite spot to go and just see it's a small room it's fun i know i've done it i love it yeah it's great yeah well, i was telling some of the guys that i work with on shows here in Loveland, like tonight there's a brewery show they're doing and they've got some big names coming, but they go, Oh yeah, we had Carlos at the fort, you know, at such and such time sold out all the shows, added shows, you know, it was a great time, but it seems like comics do come under fire a lot for 
this cancel culture is just very poisonous. Steve Harvey did an interview. They asked him, are you going to do another special? He said, I don't know. He goes, and that's really scary for me to say as a comedian, because the cancel culture is so high. And if I do it, it's probably going to have to be after my TV run is over because they're probably going to end me 10 years ago, five years ago. Nobody was saying that as a comic, you, your job was to get up there and to say what you're saying, to tell jokes and make people laugh. If you started out today, let's say you wanted to, I know it's a big hypothetical because you've had such a big career and successful, but would you want to start out today? I mean, it would just be so different than, I mean, I can't imagine. I would love to start off today because the difference between me today and me when I started off in the, you know, mid nineties, when I really started to find my voice is that I'm just better. Like I'm way edgier today than I've ever been. As far as the content is concerned, the things that I'm talking about, the subjects that I'm broaching. I mean, I'm doing transgender jokes that I don't, I, I don't know that I would have been able to do before the way I do them now. I'm, I'm so much better at doing this type of material that I really don't get a lot of backlash. Believe it or not, I remember when there was a time that me walking a certain amount of people, you know, 10, 15 for 300 was, you know, kind of normal. Um, I don't do that anymore. That doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen because I'm just so much better at the pre-joke part, whether it's the setup, whether it's the setup to the setup, whether it's the moment, you know, whether it's pointing out the hypocrisy and then it, whatever that is, I'm so much better at it. But I would have loved, loved seeing this hypocrisy that I'm telling you about and having the young, cocky, uh, um, unaware uh, attitude of a young comedian and just going out there and ripping the shit out of it. Oh, thanks, buddy. Appreciate nice. it. Oh man, he just my this for my birthday. He just got me. Oh yeah, you did have a birthday recently. Happy birthday, Real Madrid man. jersey. Yeah. So anyway, I would love to. I would love to it because today I wouldn't say it the way I would have then. You know, today I would approach it the way I approach it now. Okay. I think. If I was a young comedian, I'd be like, listen, I would it would just be all vinegar. You know what I mean? It would be a 20 young 20, mid 20 something year old going, Are you kidding me? Oh, it's okay for them to do it, but I can't do it in a country where supposedly we're equals. So as a gay person or an LGBTQ person, you sit down during my show and make a weird face when I do an LGBTQ joke, but then you pretend that it's my fault. Let us not pretend. It is your fault. You don't think I'm your equal. You don't consider me to be your friend because if you did, you let me tell the jokes that you do to those people when they tell those jokes at those gay LGBTQ shows. So why is it okay for them to do it, but not for me before you even, you know, I would love to just go off on rants like that, that are just fire and not caring because I think that it would have been fun. Um, I could never do that today just because I now have the foresight to go, listen, I don't want to piss them off. I, I don't want to get anybody angry. The whole point of this 
is to bring them in. The whole point of this is to make them feel safe in laughing at whatever they laugh at. And also to feel the connection of our humanity. Yeah. To say, so I'm not like you because you're LGBTQ, but when the reverse is happening, I am supposed to treat you like you're my equal, but you don't consider me to be your equal and all this other crap. Like, you know, so I would have loved to it. It would have been, I mean, I would have got in trouble, but I would have loved that kind of trouble. I would have loved to have to defend my my comedy because I think that part of what happened was when guys like Daniel Tosh and others, many others like him, started Jezelnik, I believe did it as well, started apologizing for yeah. jokes. That was bad. It's I a saw bad it. scene, I would think, as a comic. It is because I will forever apologize for hurting your feelings. Look, man, I am sorry that I hurt people's feelings. I am sorry that, you know, I triggered a trauma. I am sorry that whatever joke I told made you feel a certain way. I am not sorry I told the joke. I am only sorry that you were hurt by it. If you come back to see me again, I will do that goddamn joke again. Why? <laughs> because the whole point of the joke, in it's intent is to make you laugh i i talk about this on stage i go yeah. i don't understand people that get offended at jokes let us understand that a comedian every comedian we're so insecure and we want to make every single person in the audience laugh and for those of you that are like that's not true listen if you get a room with 20 comedians and you put one person in that audience a plant and tell that person, don't laugh at any joke. And 20 comedians go on stage. 20 comedians will walk off stage and go, did you see him? Did he bother you? Did he annoy you? Oh, my God. He didn't laugh at you either? We will see that guy. Yeah. We will. We might not even see not every single other person, but we will find that guy or that woman. And it is because, you know, we're that insecure that we want to make you laugh. How do you turn that into something negative? How do you turn that beautiful moment of I want to make you happier after you met me than before? And how do you turn that into you need to be canceled because of what you said? Like, even if you disagree with it, even if you don't like it, even if you don't know how I phrased it, whatever your problems were, at my core, I wanted to make you laugh. Yeah. Why are you turning that into a bad thing? You you must be, I don't even know what kind of person it takes to do that. You know, what I say on stage is I go, listen, I've got thousands of blowjobs in my life. They weren't all great. I was never mad at the end of one. I never wanted to <laughs> cancel somebody at the end of one. I was never to a place where I'm like, I'm going to go online and make sure that nobody else ever gets a BJ from you. It's like, Jesus, like, be grateful. I tried to make you laugh. Could you just at least go, Mr. Mark, not my cup of tea, but thank you. That would be nice. Instead of whatever this new thing is of that we're evil and hurtful and cruel. I mean, we're comedians. We're evolved court jesters. We took off the makeup and we're allowed to talk. 
that has never changed. Yeah. You know, that's still, that's still why guys like Larry, the cable guy can exist amongst guys like <laughs> Dave Chappelle because comedy is that expansive and that crazy and that goofy. And when you begin to, and, and listen, when we take ourselves seriously as comedians, then we begin to suffer too, because all of a sudden the, the laugh isn't as important. You know, I hear young comedians sometimes go, Hey, as long as you have their attention, you know, they don't have to laugh. Yeah, they do. You are a comedian. Your job is to make them laugh. You want to do one man shows like John Leguizamo? You can. There's there's a venue for that. Yeah. There's a place for that. The stand up stage at a comedy club is not that place. No. Be funny. Tell your jokes. Get to the point. Stop meandering. Cut out the fat. Kill it. Do your job. Um. No puttering. I come from middle school. Yeah. And and I think that that's a uh, I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. I just think that we just got so insecure that when somebody said, I don't like you, we went, oh, my God, I'm just so sorry. I'll never do it again. I just think that that gave them power that they shouldn't have had. And now they think they can cancel us. Now they think they can tell the world, don't go see this guy. Don't go see that woman. Don't go see this person. And... uh when you give when you give people like that power especially people that are too stupid to realize it's even a joke it's not a good thing man it is not a good wow. thing wow i think that's so cool man like yeah when i i always say this to my son or to other people that i know like you you can't allow somebody to have that much power and authority over you even on a spiritual level, I dare say, because like if you've had zero interactions with this person and they are doing this or doing that and it is affecting you in a way that's destroying your self-esteem, not you necessarily, Carlos, but just in general, it's like you, you're like giving that person way too much authority over your life for zero. I mean, we're not dating. We're not in a relationship. I'm not going to give you that kind of power over my life over something stupid and, you know, cancel culture, whatever the case might be. When I go to a comedy show, I'm going to laugh. If I sit in the front row, I should expect to have some sort of conversation with that comic at some point, depending on their style, you know, they're going to say right. something and I need to be in this situation. I was talking to another comic. She was saying she had a boyfriend and she talks about him on stage, but she did have one conversation with him. Hey, you know, I wrote some jokes about you. This is your one time to tell me yes or no. But even then, I think if you're, she said, if you're going to date me or date a comic, you just got to kind of be ready for anything at that point and not become easily offended because it's just, uh, you won't survive, I think, or in life period. And I mean, man, that's inspiring. I have oh. to say it's encouraging to me just doing this. Yeah. But that's, but look, that's, that's where we should be. It's like, you know, I've done jokes about my wife and sure. They all had, they all, all the stories I tell have a semblance of truth that allow me, you know, to tell it the way I tell it. Right. But at the end of the day, it's like, 
you know, we have to start, we, we have to start letting people understand, especially when it comes to comedy. Yeah. The minute you tell me I can't make fun of Barack Obama is also <laughs> the day you're telling me I can't make fun of Trump. And I know for a fact that this country is a certain amount of people are like, what do you mean you can't do jokes about him? The other half is like, come on, please don't do jokes about him. And so for me, it's like, look, they go hand in hand. You, you, the minute, the minute you say that's out of bounds because the victim of the joke, quote unquote, punching up, punching down, I, I don't even understand what that means. I don't get what that means because I, what, what, do, you, what do you mean punching up, punching down? I understand. This, what, 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 are you, what are you getting at? Like, oh, you're making fun of somebody. Listen, I make fun of everybody, even myself. Listen, my mother had 18 kids. If you are going to have the audacity to tell me that I went too far when three minutes ago you were laughing at a joke <laughs> I did about my mother's vagina looking like she could put it in a roast beef sandwich at Arby's and you thought that was hysterical. I'm okay with that. But don't you dare turn around and tell me this other joke is it, it, something that you can't laugh at. You just laughed at my mom's cooch, man. Like, seriously? That's okay? But I can't do this? No, I'm sorry. I, I keep going back to the hypocrisy of, of all these human beings. You know, every joke has a victim, if you will, or somebody that did something wrong, somebody that did something right. You know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, you have to understand that. And if you don't, that's on you. It's not on me. It's not on me to, to teach you. We, we're, we're, we're past this as a society. I mean, Jesus Christ, I think people forget, but I told this the other day to somebody, I'm sorry, maybe you don't know, but we comedians have already been to jail more than one of us for speaking our minds. Yeah. And every single one of those cases, we won. Freedom of speech prevailed. So you're wrong with this whole idea of there's certain things that I can and cannot say. No, I can say anything. And if you don't understand that what I'm saying is meant to be funny, then that's on you. That's not me. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's not some responsibility I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even take forth because it's still you. If you show up to my comedy show with a trauma and I tell a joke that, you know, triggers that trauma and you're not over it and you can't laugh at it. I, I'm sorry, man. You know, I hope that through the joke, I can give you a catharsis and that I'm good enough that by the end of it, I can help you actually get over that trauma. But if you're still stuck in that trauma, listen to my words. You are still stuck. Not me. Not the 500, 800, 1,000, 2, 3, 10, 20,000, 30,000, whatever amount of people it is, but you. And man, how arrogant, by the way. How arrogant of you to sit at a sold-out comedy show where there's, let's pretend it's a comedy club that seats 380 people. And everybody's laughing but you. And 
you want everybody else to stop laughing at that joke because what you're feeling is more important than what every single person in that room is feeling. Mm-hmm. That's an arrogance that I can't get behind either. Sorry. You're not that important. Neither wow. am I. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, I, but, I but it takes know. time. You know what I mean? It does. It takes, yeah. It yeah, it does. Way. That's what it is. I'm not, that's why I said to your question earlier, I would love to start comedy now because I'd be ignorant to all the stuff that I'd learned and I would step in it, but I would enjoy stepping in it. I would enjoy that fight. Like I would enjoy it on a different level than it would be today. Today, I don't get those fights because I know how to, you know, I know how to use my language and and every skill I've ever, I've ever gathered as a comedian to, you know, make those situations better. Um, You know, so I don't, I don't get people that get angry anymore um I'm, I'm able to bring them into the fray and, and actually make them part of uh the, so i'm the guy that's like hey you over there are you afraid of this story no it's not scary come here sit next to me help me tell the story help me tell the story do you know the story well let's tell the story together and all of a sudden you know those people are in so i'm 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 much better at that and that's why if you have the chance to see me perform right now especially live it's the best time to see me. I've never been as funny or incisive or, I mean, I'm hit like it's, it's one of these times where a lot of times I'm ahead of all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I'm ahead of the curve in a lot of these things. This is one where I'm slightly ahead of it, but not so far ahead that people are like, Oh, that's not important. So everybody sees the relevance of what I'm doing. Like, I start pretty much every show by saying this and getting a huge round of applause and sometimes a standing ovation. Yeah. And usually the first thing I say when I go on stage, I say, listen, if my opening act said anything (laughs) remotely offensive, I'm being very serious right now. You need to get the fuck out of this club. (laughs) I'm not. I'm, I'm I've just seen that you, on some of your clips. Yeah, you said it. I, I'm, I mean it. Oh, yeah, I put up a clip recently about the Chihuahua dog. That's right. Yeah. And, and I meant it. And that was, by the way, that clip just happened to come out of that show. But that's how I start the shows, by literally telling people that. And, and a big reason is because I don't want them to sit there and judge certain jokes. Because yeah. what you what you end up seeing is this. Ha 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 ha. Ten minutes. Ha ha. Twenty minutes. Ha ha. Twenty-eight minutes. Hey, fuck you, man. What, what do you mean? What is that supposed to mean, Carlos? It's like, oh, so when you were laughing at everybody else, it was okay. When the joke was on everybody else, it was okay. When the joke had nothing to do with you, it was okay. But now all of a sudden, the joke's on you, and the rest of us are supposed to pause, even though you didn't pause for anybody else, my friend. Right. Stop it. And then that person gets sucked into that and goes, oh my God, I didn't even realize that. You're right. And especially if I'm doing a show where I go, oh my God, you laughed when I did the joke about Mary. Remember Mary, he laughed at you. And then all of a sudden you just see that energy just go away and dissipate. And then they acquiesce to the moment and then mm-hmm. everybody becomes one. And then the show actually gets better. Because now they gave it a relevance that is conscious. So they took a layer of subconsciousness and brought it to light. So now that consciousness is a part of the show and it becomes a better show. But 
again, you know, I think that we're giving too much credit to wanting to be loved. Yeah. You know, to making sure that my rating is a five, you know, to, to keep all that. And, you know, as, as young comedians, I tell them, speak your truth, whatever that is, find it. And then everything that you write will be something that you're excited about. And you're not going to go up on stage and try bits. You're going to go up on stage and talk about things that you like and learn how to make those things funny. There's a big difference between those two. And, you know, everybody has their um, formatting, so to yeah. speak. Like we're all, like every every comedian is like, a, today would be an app, back day it would be software. And we all wire our brain a very mm. specific way to interpret the jokes a very specific way. That is why if you have friends that are comedians and you were to see something funny and have a certain perspective on how the joke would go. Wow. You wouldn't give that joke to any comedian. You would right. think about, you know, who would do this? Well, Eric, Eric would kill this joke because you know that it's in the wheelhouse of whatever he built in his brain. Right. So you kind of just hijack that for two seconds and that's where you went with that. So I, I think that, you know, I think comedians need to be a little more aware. Yeah. Sometimes we're stuck on, I'm just a comedian so much that we don't see the other side of it. Right. The, the truth side, the side of, of uh, if you think about, think about if you and I right now were speaking of philosophers, if we went back to, you know, Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, most people would know who that is. If we started getting more into the, this younger, you know, Kerouac, Nietzsche, a lot of people wouldn't know who we're talking about. Right. And I would venture to say that comedians like Chris Rock, when he said, I love black people, I hate niggas, um, just iconic moments like that are more known from a sociological Wow. human aspect than what's being drawn from the majority of actual philosophers today. Mm. The people that mirror society and show us who we are in the best and worst light are comedians. Yeah, We are those people today. We are those philosophers of yesteryear telling the world, look at what we are. Look at how we've become. Look at how we behave. Look at what we do. And for anybody to go, man, that's self-aggrandizement, Carlos. What are you talking about? You guys are just comedians and you're not philosophers. Well, if that was the case and we were being judged just as comedians, then why is Minaj in trouble for, quote unquote, lying when he did his act? If yeah. it's just a joke, why do you care? Because the philosophy of what he's trying to teach the this happened to me this racism this right the the juxtaposition of truths rubbed people the wrong way when it turned out that the stories were not completely accurate or whatever it is and so you know we started talking about this and now you know you see how i i get how you know we're viewed in a certain way because though that is not our responsibility it seems to be that guys like Carlin and Pryor and Chappelle and myself and <clears throat> Chris Rock and others, of course, have taken that mantle and said, you know what? 
I want to talk about that kind of stuff. And you know, it's what I said when we began. I'm 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 too funny at this point, and I've been doing way way this way too long to just tell jokes. I have to do more. I, I have to yeah, I have to do more than just a comedian. And so, you know, that's the path. Wow. I mean, I don't even know what to say. That that's just mind blowing. Um again, as I said at the beginning, I've just I've been a fan for a long time. I, I really have, in spite of I mean, life happens, you know. And I when I found out you were represented by your publicist and I emailed her, I said, I would love to get Carlos on the show and talk to him. Yeah, I mean, going back to the two thousands and fives with Mencia to your live concerts. One last question. You have had a special come out recently. You've been talking about yeah. that. And I want to talk to you about that. Where can people watch it and where is it available? Is, can we get it through your website? Actually, you could go to Tubi or Roku. Um, okay. For free. I did two specials and I wanted to make sure that the first one was free because I haven't put one out since 2010. And I've had so many supporters throughout that time to just yeah. always be there. You know, I have so many people come up to me now because I started be- getting aggressive again on social media and they're like, where have you been? It's like, I've never not been you've never not been you've always I've been never there. not been i never i never stopped i mean I, I didn't you know put as much content as a, as i am now but yeah it was always there it was always a part of me i think that being the first person that the internet ever tried to cancel um and not um addressing it at the time and you know dealing with the humanity of of being a being a comedian and in in dealing with you know nobody nobody prepares you for success no no nobody prepares you for for people liking you as much as they're gonna or hating you as much as they're gonna nobody prepares you for the fact that you're gonna walk into a restaurant almost anywhere and not have to pay a thing because everybody wants to give you free food and and, right. and take pictures but man, no, nobody prepares you also for people that want to hate you so badly that they will believe the worst stories about you no matter what. And, you know, just not even consider that you're a human being with feelings. Right. Um, but what happens is that once you go through that, if it doesn't literally kill you or kill your career, you end up being becoming so much better. And, you know, this past decade has been that decade for me of trying to find who and what I really am. And uh, interestingly enough, I was feeling very bad about myself uh, a few months ago, may- maybe a year ish or so. But anyway, because I, I'm, I'm so much, I'm so much better place now and, and I'm in a great place and I love where I'm at, but it's kind of taking me about a decade of introspection, of comedy, of stand-up, of pushing it, of therapy, of, you know, meditation and all that to get to where I'm at. And I was feeling down on myself because looking back, I'm like, man, a decade. Shit, that is a long time. And then I saw Carlin special. He had a decade-long period where he had to find himself. Then I saw Robin Williams special. He had a decade. Then I saw Richard Pryor special. He had a decade and I went, oh, my God, this it looks like this is our penance as comedians that try to kind of, you know, 
push the envelope and, and, and really be way more than comedians. We, we've all had a 10 year kind of a thing where we had to deal with ourselves, our humanity, our growth, the way we look at life, the way we see life, the way we live life, the yeah. way we live life after our shows, what we do, the people we do it with. And it kind of went, Oh shit. Well, if it took the geniuses, the greatest comedians of all time, 10 years to do it, and it took me 10 years, then I'm not going to be hard on myself. I'm going to be okay with it. And from that point on, there's been just a great peace and tranquility that come with uh, doing stand-up, except for that one day where I was trying to figure out how to do my act in front of children or in front of children that could hear me say things, so <laughs> I'm not say certain words or trigger words or say stuff like that you know so uh but that was fun too because it was uh it was it was childlike in the sense that when i first started doing stand-up i had moments like that all the time i hadn't had a moment like that in so long i forgot there was a point in time where i well i was not good at this where i was a young comedian that thought he was great that went and told jokes that everybody else told pretty much premises that everybody else had already said, you know, thinking, you know, cause you're young and you're like, I was on an airplane. Oh God, Jesus, man. Every comedian has done something like that or yeah. whatever that, Hey man, why do, why do, why do black people this and Mexicans and white people that Jesus Christ, bro, that's been done a million times, but you know, that's your first, that's your first foray into the writing stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a great, amazing career. And what I love about what I do for a living is, sadly, I get to watch some of the greatest athletes of all time sign and then, you know, lose their luster because there is a timestamp on how long they can be that good physically. And then when I see that, I get so happy for myself because I just get better. Um, you know, physically, there's no... There, there, there's no diminishing the product of what I do on stage. And so unlike athletes, I don't have that, you know, that time for me will be probably when I'm 70, maybe, maybe 75, maybe 80 when I'm walking weird, maybe. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been great. And it's, it's been a very, very long, arduous, unbelievable, beautiful, difficult thing to do, but being me having done stand-up since 1988 having connected with all the human beings that i have having changed the world at least a few people at a time it's been one of the most rewarding lives today and i can compare that to all of humanity i'm truly blessed man with all the good and all the bad it's all come to a really beautiful place right now and I'm better than I've ever been and I'm happier than I've ever been and I'm in a better place than I've ever been. So yeah, it's all great, man. I love it. Carlos Mencia, this has been an iconic moment for us. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. If you ever need anything else, let me know, brother. Thanks for listening and being a part of today's conversation. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. It's absolutely free. A major proportion. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. And remember, we care. 
Thanks for listening and being a part of today's conversation. Thank you! If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. It's absolutely free. A major proportions. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. And remember, we care.